Coach Sam from Strong Gents Coaching back with another episode for you guys. On today's episode, I'm bringing back Coach Greg LaCava. We're going to talk everything delayed gratification and staying disciplined and patient. Um, if you guys haven't already, please leave a five-star review. I greatly appreciate it. Trying to reach as many men as possible. And I need your help. It takes a tribe, gentlemen. Uh, let's jump right in. Coach Greg, what's happening, man? Hey, Sam. How are you, buddy? Doing good. Thanks for doing this. The people You're welcome. The men need to hear what's going on. I want to talk to you about delayed gratification, patience. You know, you're the king at that. Your whole career is based off that. Um, I just wanted to your opinion to start this whole thing on why you think or what you think has caused such a delay in gratification for people and a lack of discipline in today's society. Well, I think that I, I, these these characteristics didn't just happen to me in my adult life, this was created through my childhood, you know, and I think that um, society and parenting and uh, has changed so much in the past 20, 25 years. It's totally different when I grew up than what it is now. Everything is instant. We had no cell phones. We had five TV stations. You know, we, you never had an opportunity to instantly get anything you want at any time of the day. It's 24 hours a day now. People can get everything they want at on, at any time on a whim, whatever emotion they're feeling. They don't even have to internalize it and deal with it. They can find something to distract them from that emotion, but never get rid of it. So society has definitely changed and created these, these groups of people who need everything to be at their fingertips at every moment, moment no matter what emotion they're feeling. And that is not healthy. In my opinion, it doesn't set you up for a successful life because at, at the first sign of anything that makes you uncomfortable, you're going to immediate look, look, immediately look for something that's going to satisfy you. And that is not, you know, especially for a man, that is not a way that you can be successful in your life by instantly anything that you want, any feeling you have, you're going to get something to pacify that feeling right off, you know, as soon as you want it. I, I am amazed that kids today have ice cream delivered to their house. They have everything delivered to their house. When I want ice cream. Boom, delivered. You know, back when I was a kid, you wanted ice cream. You're like, oh, how am I going to get this shit? I, there's no way I can get this. I got to ride my bike to get it. You just, and even if I wanted it so badly, I knew I had to wait. I wasn't going to be able to get it when I wanted it at that moment. That is completely gone. Technology has changed the world. Uh, there are good things about technology, but I got to be honest. If you if you told me the one thing that I wish would change, it would be technology would never have gotten to the point that it is now. It's way too out of control. I think it might. No, I mean, there's something to it. Right? There's, um, you know, I think there's good in everything and bad in everything. You know, the yin yang. Um, mm -hmm. So same thing with social media technology, but you hit so many nails on the head that I agree with. And I think so many other people agree with. And that's why I wanted to bring you on is to talk about some tactics to battle that, that immediate urge, you know, that, that like, oh my God, I need it right now. I want it right now. So badly that people struggle with, cause they hop on the phone and they get a notification and then their brain lights up and they're like, oh, and then they put it down and they try and go to work or they try and do something good for themselves and they're just thinking about getting that notification again or whatever the case may be. Um, but you've had a career, you know, in teaching and coaching, which requires patience. 
And uh, you've also, you lived through the generation where delayed gratification was king. It made you a good life, you know, just like my, my dad, it made him a good life. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is something that could battle these urges for people? That's pretty easy to do. Like what has helped you to stay on track that maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a habit. Is there anything right. at the top of your head? It's always a thought. It's always a thought, and it brings me back to my childhood. I was raised that way. You know, my dad used to always say, we have work to do. It didn't matter. Dad, we're playing, flag, We're playing. you know, t touch football with a bunch of kids. No, you're not. We have work to do. When you're done with that work, then you can go play. That's how I grew up. Dinner was 5.30. We couldn't eat at 5. We didn't eat at 5.55. We ate, I'm sorry. We couldn't eat at 5.25. We had to wait till 5.30. So a lot of it is how you how you grew up, how you were trained as a child on on forcing you. Listen, when you're a kid, you're not supposed to get anything that you want because everything you want is on a whim. You know what I mean? Like everything a kid wants is right now. I want this. Give it to me now. I that never even became part of my vocabulary as I got older. I never asked. I want this. I want that because I knew it was never going to happen. So I was conditioned as a child and even through my adolescence i was conditioned that you have to wait and when the time is right i will tell you when it's right then you will get it that is totally different i see parents dropping off starbucks orders sushi to the school to the high school that's great okay. Whenever they want, they i gotta text my mom i need to tell her i am going to be late i'm like no you don't you're going to wait till the class is over. You're not texting your mom to tell her to, that you're going to be late, home late. So technology, cell phones, has created this entire generation. And it's bleeded over to adults. You are absolutely right. Sometimes I find myself picking up my phone because I'm watching a commercial on TV and I don't want to watch the commercial. You know, I don't even want to deal with the commercials anymore. Now, I've fallen into that. But, you know, fast forwarding through commercials doesn't change my life. It doesn't hurt my life in any negative way. I mean, there are so many things that can be detrimental to your life if you are the type of person that wants instant gratification and satisfaction based on any want that you have in that moment. I think I think a lot of people, kind of like what you alluded to earlier, they're escaping. I think a lot of people are trying to escape the pain of whatever they're going through. Mm -hmm. and like you said, the phone is an outlet for that because um, you're constantly communicating with people or like you said, looking at something and it lets you escape. But I think that's detrimental because one, it takes you away from things that you need to do, right? And the, the most important things that you need to do is like go to work, do your schoolwork, do your chores. And then when you don't do those because you're distracted all the time, they build and build and build and build and build. And then they eventually crash down on you. So I wanted to ask you, um, what do you think are some of the top things in life men need to be patient with, need delayed gratification on, you know, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times people always talk about, you do hear like, oh, delayed gratification. You hear it on social media. You hear it all the time. Like we should be, you know, waiting for things, but no one ever gets into specifics, you know? Um, so things like financials you had mentioned earlier before this call, um, maybe career you can speak on, like how... How did you set yourself up, you know, for retirement coming up and just your life in general? You know, what should men be prioritizing in terms of delaying that gratification? Just stay in the course. 
you know, anything. You have to break it down into sections. Like, let's talk financially first. Okay. So I was just driving home listening to Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you follow him at all. I was listening to Dave Ramsey and he, he made a great point. He said, too many people nowadays, all they care about is what they're going to get on Friday, how their life is going to be on Friday, what they're going to do on Friday. The successful people are thinking about how my life is going to be 20 years from now. That is how I've always lived my life. I've been preparing for retirement since I started working. I knew that I have to sacrifice the things that I want. I got to delay my gratification through my working years so I can set myself up for when I want to retire. I'm retiring at 55. Not many people can retire at 55. I can retire at 55 because I've, I've thought about this for the past 30 years. Like this is what I, I, I want to set myself up for when I, when I'm older. Now that has caused problems in relationships with me. Okay. But there has to be a fine line. There's got to be a balance. You have to accept that there's some things that you're, it's okay to spend money on some things. We're talking about the frivolous stuff. Okay. We're talking about the, I need stuff. I need, I need this. I want this right now. This is what I want at that moment. That has to be conditioned because it becomes a habit to instantly seek gratification for things. It becomes a habit and it's a very hard habit to break because you're always getting what you want. So you're always being satisfied. So when it, this is, they do tests on animals with this. When you give them stuff, they get satisfied. They want more of it. They want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. You have to consciously break that habit. And that's not easy to do. It's not, it's, it is not easy to do, especially with social media. Like we were talking about keeping up with the Joneses. Like I see grown men, you know, cause I train so many people. I see grown men in their forties, fifties, still trying to keep up with the Joneses. Like right. they're like bringing their phone, show me pictures of people on Instagram or Facebook really for the older crowd. And they're like, you know, look, look what he's doing. Like I did this though. And they'll show me a picture of what they did and or what they bought. And I'm like, dude, like you're talking to a 28 year old who thinks you're a child. Like that's insane. Yeah. To me, to me I think, um, I think more people would do themselves a benefit if they could just ignore the Joneses and focus on them. And when you focus on you and nobody else, I think you gain more ability to say no to things because you're not constantly feeling like you have to say yes to things. So that's an insecurity. Okay. And I'm going to give you an example. When I came out of my divorce, I was financially insecure. So I was, you know, resistant to be around certain people. Um, Cause I felt insecure. Like I was like, you know, coming out of a divorce, you lose half your money. Like you got to start all over again. So I recognized that that was my insecurity. You know what I'm saying? Like my insecurity made me, you know, want to, I, I'm not the keep up with the Joneses type. I retreated instead of bought more stuff and was flashy. I retreated away from that. Most people will try to keep up with the Joneses and that's how they get into financial difficulty. And, you know, Kim and I have this conversation all the time. Like I always, I still drop that bomb. You know, we're going to this fancy restaurant. I'm like, oh, I have to get dressed up now. I got to be like, we, we're keeping up with the Joneses. We can't just go to MJ's. We have to go to this five-star restaurant. Like I still drop those hints. I don't mean it because, because I know how I am right now. So when I say that, I jokingly know because I can control it. 
Like I don't ever live for the, for the acceptance of anybody else because I really don't care about anyone else. And my dad, when I was younger, when we moved to Middletown to this huge house in Middletown, our neighbors had Mercedes, two Mercedes, the, the husband and the wife. And my dad was looking to buy a new car. Finally, he's a working man. He worked his ass off. He, he did very well. He had a company car, a beat up Ford, something LTD. He's like, I'm like, dad, why don't you buy a new car? I wanted, it was me being like, they have Mercedes. Why can't I, you know, why don't we have one? And he said to me, he said, Greg, I don't need a Mercedes to make me feel good about myself. I said, I can buy and sell all these people because of the way I lived my life. And I was like, holy moly. He's, and that's where I got that from. I'm not a flashy person. Like, I don't have flashy things. Like, and if I do have something that's a little bit out of the ordinary, it's because I can afford it. You know what I mean? Like, I would never, and I married someone who would never buy things on credit. We buy nothing on credit. Everything is cash. We pay everything cash. And if we can't afford it, we don't got it. We're not getting it. Most people, because of society today, especially because of where we live in Middletown, an affluent area, they are constantly worrying about keeping up with the freaking Joneses. And I say to myself, I say to Kim, I'm like, I'm retiring at 55. When I talk to these men, they have no idea when they can retire. None. And it's because they spent their entire working years just doing whatever they wanted and spending the money. And I just, it's not who I am. I think it's very difficult for people to um, have that sense of self to be able to resist that urge, you know, to try and keep up with the Joneses. So it takes a lot of work. It, it, it piggybacks what we were talking about in the last podcast. You know, restricting yourself from instant gratification is a process you have to work on and you have to learn. It just doesn't pop up into your head and you can't just do it. You know, if you've never done it, it's not going to be easy to do it because you're still going to be fighting those urges that you've had for such a long period of time. You said something, all that's so true. You said something about divorce earlier, and I think you'll find this hilarious. You mentioned how, uh, you know, when you get a divorce, you lose 50% of whatever you got. I uh, did my taxes recently and I went to my accountant and every year I sit down in this chair and he asked me the same question. He goes, so Sam, you married yet? And I'm like, nope. And he goes, smartest man I've seen all day. <laughs> Every single year. It's I mean, hilarious. That, that's like the, that's the going thing between men. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, he was jo he's always joking, but it's just funny because he's the accountant and he's just like, a smart man, smart man. Right. Um, in general, though, besides fi – so financially, I think I think you're 100% right. Like, uh, I'm 28, and uh, when I, uh, growing up, I never learned about money, right? right? I never did. Nobody taught – parents, they were too busy fighting. They were too busy dealing with bullshit, you know? So I never learned about money. They don't even teach it in school. They don't – it's crazy. They don't teach you anything in school. Um, so I learned more about money when I was, like, 24, you know? But I've been working since I was 14 years old. Right. Which is crazy to think about because at 18, I had zero dollars in my bank account, right? Mm -hmm. Because I just spent all my money on right. stupid stuff, you know, food. Kids do that, though. It's what we do. But even in my early 20s, it was like I didn't understand the concept of, you know, um, like compounding interest. I didn't understand like how saving could put you in a better position to afford things and give you power. Right. Because if you have money behind you, you have more power, more wielding power. I didn't understand debt. 
Um, and but what got me to a better position, I'm going somewhere with this, um, is delaying, like you said, gratification and thinking about not right now, but what you said, you were always thinking about 20, 30 years in the future. When I hit like 25, I started thinking about, damn, what am I going to be like at 55? Like, what am I, am I going to have no money, do the same thing? So, um, you know, anybody listens to this, you know, I'm 28. I got an emergency fund that's stacked to the roof. Um, I have zero debt. And mm -hmm. uh, I got another crazy stack of money that I'm sitting down because I worked my ass off. I skipped out on going out with friends. I skipped out on dates because I worked my damn ass off. And I think that's important for men to understand because I bet for decades you didn't do stuff you wanted to do because you were delaying it, right? Well, it, partly, yeah. I mean, partly it's who I am. I'm I'm more of a I'm more of a homebody type of person. But partly, you know, there were things I wanted to do and I won't do it. Like even to this day, like you know, I I, I calculate. Let's see. I get coffee every day at, at Wawa. It costs me two twenty five. Well, this week I'm off, so I'm saving ten dollars. And I'm like, oh, I'm saving ten dollars. That's great. I'm having coffee at home. You know, like, but that's that's been instilled in me since I was young. But on the flip side of that, it's also who I am, you know? So, and I've seen people that they just spend money when my brother's a very good example. He has the boat and he's got the truck and he's got the, this, that comes from insecurity. If you are constantly looking for something material to make you feel good about yourself, that's an, that's a, that's a you thing. That's something that you need to work on. Um, so you know, I, I, we talk, Kim and I talk about this all the time. I said, what people can't understand is when you're 30 and 40 and 50, you're, you're, everything's going great. You got, you have money, you're working, you're, you're fairly healthy. I said, what are you going to do when you're 75 and 80? There's nothing worse than thinking when you're retired at 70 years old, that you don't have money to live. And that was always my driving force. I will sacrifice in my 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, so that when I'm 60, 70, and 80, I don't have to worry about, do I have enough money for anything? Now, that's not easy for people to do. I have conversations with my older brother, and he doesn't, he doesn't, that's not, he wants to, his quote, I want to live now. I understand you want to live now, but you have to look 20 and 30 years down the road when you have no income coming in. Did you set yourself up to be, to be financially sound and not, have to pinch pennies when you're at that age because there's nothing worse than an older person that has no money because it's sad. It's very sad. Like sad, like emotionally sad for me when I see it. Yeah. And it's, I train some people who, you know, they're in their seventies. So of sixties and seventies. So there some of their parents are still alive in the late eighties, you know, mid nineties. And yeah. that is it's, it's in, when I start hearing some of these numbers that people are spending for healthcare for like the older population, yep. it's insanity. We're talking yep. $5,500 a month. And that's just for like a living care center or whatever the case. That's not for like a hospital visit. It's not for medication. So mm -hmm. you're a hundred percent right. You know, you, you're a guy who's been in a career that um, required patients. Um, and I think patience is also a quality for delayed gratification and discipline. Like you can't be disciplined and you can't delay gratification without the presence of patience, at least in my mind. If you're constantly like erratic and sporadic, you don't get shit done, right? You right. got to be able to be patient. Um, so how are you? And another thing, which I'm going, it's the same thing. 
I feel like people were just constantly looking for the next career, the next raise, the next this. But you stayed in your career. You stayed right. steady, which my dad did as well. Right. Um, what do you think is important in terms of career and, and patience in your career um, along those lines? Well, first thing is you have to have a career that you enjoy to do. You have to be in, in the right career. Um, because if you're not in the right career, that really influences your entire life. And, and that could be some of the reason why people aren't happy or satisfied in their career, that they're out spending money to try and fulfill whatever they're missing from having a, a career that they enjoy. Um, so that's the first thing. Your second part of your question was what's in? So you pay, your entire career required patience. You know, you worked with special education. Um, and just staying the course, you know, you were in a career for 30 years. So most people now are career hopping or always looking for the next best thing. Like it's never good enough for, you know, um, what can you speak on, on, on that concept of, of actually committing to something long term? Right. Well, that's funny that you say that because Kim and I have had this conversation before people are, you know, she deals in the corporate world with, with young hires coming in and expecting all these things. They don't understand that you got to, you have to start at the bottom. But that's the society we, we live in. This That piggybacks the instant gratification that this generation has in every phase of their life, that they want to be instantly gratified with the salary, with the job, with the office, with the perks, with the amount of vacation time, with being able to stay home and work remotely. Like They have so many demands that they put out there because they've never had to ever be patient. And so they've they never done anything and they expect all that shit. They never done anything. It's nuts. It, it, it all goes hand in hand. If you're young and you're constantly ha don't have to re have don't require to have patience with anything and you are all at, at every whim, you're getting instant gratification. Do you think when you become 25 and get a job, you're going to be, oh, OK, well, now I have to bide my time and I got to take the, you know, slowly make they're not they can't do it it does and that's why they jump for another job because they think i'm not satisfied here i'm not getting what i want in this moment i'm going to look for another job to, and if see if that gives me something and then one little thing may give them a little bit of satisfaction instant gratification and then they're looking for the next thing that they want and they don't get it there they look for the next job so it's this vicious cycle that keeps going round and round and round how you stop that Oof. i i think people have to hit rock bottom. They have to, there has to be a negative effect on that mentality that I can, I want what I want when I want it. And I want to be instantly gratified it, and I won't be happy until I get it. There has everything that, that precipitates change has to be some kind of fall. Like something has to happen in order for you to make a change. So if you're constantly have, have no patience for things and you're constantly you know, want instant gratification. You may get it. You may get this for a long period of time, but something has to happen outside of your little world. That's going to create this mentality of, I can't continue to live this way. And that's different for everybody. Some people can deal with getting knocked down over and over and over again. They never change. Some people get knocked down one time and eh, two times I got to change. So, I don't know if there's an answer. Like, how do you teach someone to be patient um, because they don't have a mom and dad telling them, no, it has to come from themselves. And that's hard for people to do to say, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to buy that or I'm not going to eat this or I'm, I'm going to be patient in my job and I'm just going to take my time and build my career.
they don't have someone telling them no. And, and until you can take it upon yourself to tell yourself no, it's going to be very difficult. I so it's so funny you say that. It's, it's nuts. So in the gym on our chalkboard, I have in big ass letters since January 1st, 2023, it says, just say no. Because yeah. I'm telling everybody, I'm like, you got to say no to yourself more right. than anybody else. No one's putting the damn food in your mouth. No one's making you watch the Netflix shows. It's all you. You're saying yes to yourself all the time. So right. but my question for you is uh, piggybacking on that topic of the career is what were you telling yourself You know, when you were first starting your career, midway through your career, now you're reaching retirement. What has the mindset always been? You know, you are the man, like you're the go-to in that position. You've been there for a long time. People respect you. You've built a name for yourself. And that's not even including your coaching career, which we could talk about because you're renowned, respected. People love you. You know, all your players have nothing but good things to say about you. Uh, you're always calm and collected. So um, what were you telling yourself? How did you develop this? I know you talk about childhood, but what about you? Like, what, what do you remind yourself of? What do you tell yourself? Patience. You know, just stay the course, you know, live, uh, you know, live your life is, is evenly keeled as you possibly can try to avoid the, you know, the highs and the lows. And when you get to those, remember that, you know, force yourself to get back to that even keeled way of living. I knew I was never going to be rich in education. Like I knew that, but I knew there are other benefits that came with it. I knew that if I stayed the course and I did my job and I was successful, I could move to another job. Over time, you know, I could I can get another job that will improve, which is what we should be doing, improve my financial um, well-being. And I was able to do that. But that came from hard work and people liking me and respecting the job I did. That helps. Um, but I always said to myself, I'm not going to realize the full financial benefit of my career until I'm retired, because my pension is a great thing that I'm going to have. My health insurance is a great thing that I'm going to have. I pay a fraction for health insurance for the rest of my life. So my job also reinforced what I believed. There's no way as a teacher that I felt that I was going to be with the teacher's salary that I can go out and just spend on a whim. But that's me because I have colleagues that do, and they're going to be working until they're 67 years old and they still have no money. So it's a mentality, Sam. I try to have this conversation with people at work. There, there's a fine line. Now, I'm sure I went overboard with restricting myself and delayed gratification and patience, not patience, that's different, but delayed gratification and not buying this and not going here. I was overboard until my wife came along and she balanced me out. Okay. But we still will, we look at each other and we're like, we ain't, we can't afford it. We're not doing it. We're not putting anything on credit. If we can't pay it off, we're not doing it. And that's, a huge thing to have a partner that believes the same thing you do because I didn't have a partner that believed that. Now I do have a partner that believed that. So, you know, it becomes a lifestyle, but you first have to be happy with what you have. I mean, we're in a fortunate situation. Well, I hate using the word fortunate because fortunate seems like luck. Kim says, I'm fortunate to have a job. I'm like, no, you're not. You have your job because you are great at your job. No one gave it to you. You're not lucky. You worked your ass off and that you're, you're reaping the benefits of working your ass off. So, you know, 
we we're able to have that ebb and flow and she pushes me to do more stuff. And there's some things that I hope that I, you know, she thinks twice before buying on a whim, but she's not that type because I would never be with someone like that. Yeah. I will never do that again. Just cause too much chaos, which is, that's another, that's another interesting thing. It causes too much chaos. You know, you, you've been through some ups and downs in life, you know, you know, you've been patient through some chaotic times. Um, I train a lot of men who are very emotional, you know, like it's just through the years, past 11 years as a personal trainer, I meet men who are just constantly spilling their drama on me and they seem, at least in the moment, you know, very emotional and reactionary. But you, you, my dad, that generation, you guys seem just level headed, you know, like again, like is what is there? Is it just like, again, like you really think it's just your childhood and being kind of shut down a little bit and told not, you can't have this, can't have that. Or is there uh, something that you just that you did over and over again that lets you like stay level? Or is self there- self respect? Never let them see you sweat. Never let them see you out of control. Because a man can't be out of control. You know that is what I believe wholeheartedly in that you can't be out of control as a man. And again, this comes back to your duty and your responsibilities. If you are constantly living on these ebbs and flows as a man, you're going nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. But the biggest thing is for me is my own self-respect. I never want anyone to see me out of control. You know, so that that tempers my emotions because I, I keep them in. Now, I'm much more open with my wife because it's in these four walls. This is where I'm supposed to be that way. You know, I'm supposed to be able to come home and share these emotions with her. But if you're out in the real world, if you're a man and you're an emotional man in a job, in a as a teacher, as a coach, you get zero respect. Okay. You can't be that. So you have to find a way how to temper that stuff within yourself. And again, like I said, there, when you're a grown up, when you're a grown up, there's no one telling, you no. nobody's telling, you no. you can. So it has to come from yourself, from within yourself. And again, you have to teach yourself to do it. And it's uncomfortable. It piggybacks the whole, again, the podcast we already had. Yeah. Or, Things in life that are worth it are uncomfortable and they're difficult. Okay. You have to set a goal. If you're a guy 50 years old that is fucked, that is broke and, you know, is living paycheck to paycheck, your goal is to say, okay, in, in a year from now, this is what I want. And then you have to look back on what is costing you all the money and you have to cut down the things that are wants. The things that you need to live, you can't do anything about those. So you have to go to the things you want. And then this is discipline. This is teaching yourself to be disciplined. This is saying to yourself, I'm giving myself a year. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of time, but with money, it's not a lot of time. I'm giving myself a year to make a change and I'm going to you know, get rid of cable. I'm going to lower the package. I'm going to lower my cell phone bill. Things that you can control that are that are needs and not wants. So that takes a plan. It's like working out. It's like dieting. You have to have a plan. If you, I've lived my life with plans my entire life, written down, notebooks worth of stuff. You know, what I'm doing, I go on vacation. I've already planned my whole packing. I'm planning, writing it all down. Like I live my life that way because that is how I was, I was, I was shown that by my father. Now, some people don't have that. What they have to do, if that is not something that is intrinsic to you, is you have to approach this like 
any other thing, like a weight loss goal, like a, you know, a, a health situation. You have to plan for it. If you don't plan for it, you will never be able to have a chance to succeed. And it would help to have someone helping you along. You know what I'm saying? Like a friend, a, a, a close friend, a, you know, a spouse, you know, your wife, your husband, someone to help you keep you. But you're a trainer. You do it every day. You're mm -hmm. helping people reach their goals on their to keep them on their path. If you have none of that stuff, no support system, then you it's going to be the most difficult. But you have to find a way to intrinsically find the motivation to do it if you can delay gratification and say, I want to be here when I, in 20 years, this, this is where I want to be in 20. What do I have to do to get there? It's not easy. It takes a lot of work and a lot of self-discipline and mental and emotional fortitude to do that on your own. I actually, I say this all the time to my clients um, who are trying to lose weight <clears throat> or build muscles, the same thing, building muscles a little bit. It's even harder than, than uh, losing weight, actually gaining muscle. Um, but I tell them all the time, I'm like, your vision and your obsession with the end goal has to be greater than anything in the moment. And if it's not, you will fail over and over again. And I think, I think in a situation, you know, uh, with you or with anybody who like is a father, it's a little bit easier sometimes to see, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. And uh, that, like kids, I think is the ultimate motivation for the for most people. Multiple, multi, um, the ultimate motivation. So if you don't have that, your why on what you're doing has to be insanely big. But I right. think good to to do that. Like you were saying, you know, do you want to be the seventy year old who's got no money? Like that's a big that's a big reason to save your fucking money. Like don't. you don't want to be the seventy year old that people are like worried about. The problem is they can't even what I was always been good at is I can literally feel the emotion of that. Like I could feel literally feel what I would feel like if I was that 70 year old with no money. I think a lot of people, I don't know how I can do that. I don't know if it's just this bizarre thought process that I have, but that is my motivation. It's always been my motivation that when I'm older and I'm retired, I never want to say I can't do this because I don't have the, Oh, we lost. I never restricted myself when I was younger. We lost you for a quick second, but I think we got we got most of it. You're back though. Um, you only got about five minutes left. I just want to ask you a couple other quick questions. Um, later on in in your life, now you're about to retire. Are you going to let up on the discipline a little bit? Um, are you going to go on more vacations? Are you going to spend a little more money? And if you are, have you already created a plan for that? Um, what do you think about people letting go a little bit and when is a good time to do that? Well, the good time to do it is when you financially can do it. That's the only time. That's the only good time to do it. If you're financially secure enough that you can do that. Do I foresee us being more doing more trips? Absolutely. That's what we saved for our entire lives. That's what you want to do when you get older. So, yes. Do I believe that we're going to do it? Absolutely. Do Kim and I check in about this often? We absolutely do. You know, we check in where we are financially. You know, we have these back and forth conversations about stuff. You know, I am fortunate that she's my partner because she thinks the same way I do. And we're, we're, we're both looking for the same, you know, the same end result, the same goal. 
if I was this, if I was by myself, it's who I am. It's what I would do. I would still do the same thing, you know? So I, I think uh, the fear of death may be the, the, the only thing greater to me, not, you know, losing kids or family, take that stuff out for myself, me personally, the fear of dying may be the only thing greater than my fear of not having enough money to live when I retire. That's how high, that's how high up it is. So importance to me. It's actually funny. We, we got a couple of minutes. So I'll try and get this in real quick. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. You say uh, that death is a motivation because death is a motivation for me as well. Um, I have a, a giant tattoo of a grim reaper on the back of my arm that uh, my old man still to this day is like, why the hell did you do that? But it's got multiple reasons and one of them is uh, it's a reminder that death is always around the corner. And before I die, I want to leave something great behind, which is why I am doing this strong gents coaching. Um, you know, I always have a fear because I have this Elhurst Danlos disease that I'm not going to be here as long as other people. Now, who knows? I'm hoping, you know, hey, I could, you know, defy the odds and be here until 110. You never know. But um, I also don't know the other side. And that's a motivation for me to get shit done. I work harder and more than. 99.99% of the men out there. And I don't even necessarily have to, right? Like, and it came kind of from nowhere. You know, I didn't have a good family upbringing. You know, I wasn't told no all the time. You know, I was kind of free roaming and I could have went down a bad path. You're talking to a dude who didn't do good in high school and didn't go to college. Um, but here I am now trained professional athletes, CEOs. I run a business for 11 years. I got two successful businesses, no debt, a lot of cash. And it's really because, I realized I'm like, I'm not going to be here forever. And that motivation of not being here actually gave me the push to fucking do something. Let me ask you a question. Was that motivation out of inspiration or desperation? What did you feel when you were thinking that? Both. I was desperate to change, but I was inspired by the fact that I could change people's lives. So it was right. both. But desperation, for sure. I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, I got two, I got two roads here. I got a fork in the road. I can go down one where I'm gonna kill myself, like drugs, bad choices, alcohol, fucking put myself in a bad situation, get stabbed at a club, you know? Like, I mean, I wasn't doing any crazy shit like that, but you never fucking know if I kept going down that path. Right. And then I had the other path where it was like, be responsible, get to work. I mean, I was always working, but like put your head down, ignore everybody else, ignore everything on the outside for years and see what happens. And what made you sleep better at night? What makes you sleep better? thinking about that pet what did you sleep at do you sleep better now or then so i don't sleep good at all in general but no you're 100 you're 100 right thinking about the good path man like thinking about all the good stuff is what kept me sleeping better at night not having yeah. to worry being doing the right thing absolutely there are some people that go to sleep at night and they're they 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 never go to sleep peaceful you know what i mean for whatever choices they've made in their life or for whatever's coming down the pike they're not peaceful. I am peaceful when I sleep. Now, I'm not a good sleeper either, but that's just, that's inherited. You know, it's not because I'm a thinker. I'm constantly thinking. So things always keep me up because it's not because I'm worried about my life. It's because I'm thinking what I have to do, what I need to get done. That's what keeps me up at night. But I think uh, the moral of the story, I think we got 10 seconds left, is if you delay yourself and you do the, yo, gents, we got cut off. Apologize for that. Um, but what I was saying is the moral of the story is that delayed gratification, being disciplined and maintaining your patience throughout your life 
allows you to reap some fantastic rewards later on and even in the present moment in today's society like greg was saying we always have these just immediate gratification things that just give us a spark of dopamine in the brain and we get addicted to them so it's best to restrict yourself just say no to things build on the small wins i always tell my clients in my personal training business and my coaching business pick one thing master it and then move on to the next but always in the back of your mind, remember why you're doing what you're doing. And your why, like I spoke about in this podcast, has to be very big. So go ahead, get a notebook, and start writing down the things you want out of life, why you want those things. And once you figure out a strong enough why and what you want, you can create a plan like Greg was saying. And, and make sure you take the proper steps along that plan and remind yourself that you're doing the work to, to achieve a goal that you have set, which may not get to you, which you may not achieve right now in the present moment, but that is okay. Sometimes the greatest things in life comes to those who wait. If you haven't already, please leave a five-star review, gents. Again, I'm trying to grow this podcast to reach as many men as possible, and I need your help. It takes a tribe gentlemen i truly appreciate all the love and support i understand that you guys are uh, you guys are giving me feedback and you understand what i'm trying to do here which is unbelievable it's fantastic i can't thank you enough love you guys for the support and i'll talk to you next time peace out don't forget the two mottos here train your life to change your life because i truly believe you can train small aspects of your life every single day to see a positive result in the future and our other motto here at strong gents coaching get strong and stay strong Peace out, gents.